Welcome to the Her Vibe is Pretty podcast, where you'll be guided on how to step up into your evolved woman, design your dream life, and start living it. Let's get vibey. Hey, hey, welcome back to this week's episode of Her Vibe is Pretty. Today, we are celebrating the one, the only, Sarah. This is her, yay, this is her (laughs) birthday episode. I will spare you from singing happy birthday to her, but I'll do it after (laughs) we're done recording. Um, But today's episode, we are just going to dive deep into all of the juicy things going on in Sarah's life. We are going to answer all of the questions, which... Props to you guys for asking some really amazing questions um, that I think are not only going to help you get to know Sarah a little bit better, but are going to be life skills and things that you can apply to your life mm-hmm. that are truly groundbreaking, you know, yeah. that will will make a really big impact. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so let's start with what we're feeling vibey about. And of course, birthday girl, you go first. <laughs> I feel like everybody knows what I'm vibey about right now, which is just getting settled in Lisbon, in Portugal, my new city for a while. And the fact that I get to go to coffee shops every single day is making me feel really vibey because I feel the most aligned, inspired, motivated, productive, tapped in, connected when I am in a vibey coffee shop with a latte or a mocha or whatever it is with my computer or my book or my journal in that environment. I've been listening to some really good. They have the best man. I am like loving your stories. I literally like, it's so funny how there's certain stories that I watch for each day. Like the people that I always, and you are now like the number one story I watch for. Like I need to stop Sarah and see what she is up to. And yeah, I am like loving the coffee shop vibe Mm -hmm. there. It makes I have never, Portugal's been like under the radar for me. Like I have never, it's never been on the list of places I wanted to go, Mm -hmm. but fun fact, so my biz bestie, mm-hmm. um, she does a ton of traveling, Michelle, mm-hmm. ton of traveling. And a lot of her friends travel a lot. And guess what? So I was talking to her about you being there and they were like, all of all of my friends that are world travelers, Portugal is their number one spot. Yeah. That's so cool. It's amazing. So it Yeah, it was. So first of all, let me just speak to the coffee shop thing. That was one of the reasons I actually chose Lisbon because really? I wanted, yeah. for that? Yeah, kind of. Well, I know, I don't know this woman, but I listened to another podcast that she actually is living in Lisbon right now too. And I watch her stories when she posts them. She doesn't very often, but when she does, I'm like, wow, it's such a vibe there. And so I started looking deeper into it and I'm like, yeah, wow. There's so it's apparently it's known to be the place in Europe where a lot of digital nomads live. Mm -hmm. And that's what I am. So if you guys don't know what a digital nomad is, it's basically a person who works fully remote all around the world. So yeah, that's one of the reasons I chose it, but I agree with you that for a long time, it was under the radar for me. I lived in Madrid in Spain for six months, which is literally a three hour train ride from me in Lisbon. I I think maybe it's a, yeah, it's super close. I mean, Lisbon and Portugal and Spain are connected. So the fact that I didn't come to Lisbon when I was living in Madrid blows my mind. I went to Switzerland. I went to Greece. I went to like all these other places, but I didn't go to my neighbor country. So Mm -hmm. it was under the radar for me too, until recently where, when my soul just kind of led me here and yeah, I'm really, I'm really glad that it's all happening now in perfect timing because I love it here. And I'm so glad that this wasn't just like a trip from Madrid. I'm glad that this was a move, like a three plus months say. 
Right. Okay. And they don't have limitations for someone in a different country coming or did you have to get a visa or how did so that work? They do. You, if you're here for more than 90 days, you need a visa. So my first round trip is going to be 88 days because I am flying into Miami for a couple of weeks at the end of very end of March, super early April. So I have to look into it a little bit more, but I know that with places like Costa Rica, you can do what they're called border runs. So you just leave the country for a few days and then you come back and it starts over again. I'm not sure if Portugal's like that or not. I know that we actually have some listeners um, from Portugal, from Europe listening to this. So if any of you know, let me know. But I also have heard that because of how popular Portugal is for digital nomads, it's not easy. I don't want to say, but I've heard that it's easier to get a visa here than in other countries. So if I had to do that, yeah. I would. but I don't yeah, know. So I mean, I'm, I'm flowing and yeah. I know we'll talk about this more in the episode. So I'll wrap this up, but maybe my soul will guide me back to Portugal. Maybe it will guide me back to Prague and the Czech Republic, which is where I first ever lived when I lived in Europe. Maybe it'll guide me elsewhere. Maybe it'll guide me back to the United States. Who knows? I'm just really yeah. in a flow state right now, honoring my soul's desires and following them. So we'll see. Oh, we're going to, yeah, we have many, many more questions about this yes. from right. you guys. But before we dive in, I want to know what you're feeling vibey about. Tell oh us. Oh my goodness. So I feel like I, motherhood is an emotional roller coaster. And I was actually texting some of my mama friends about it this morning, how some things are just really bittersweet. Yeah. And so, and it's funny because right now I'm on like a high of a high, like I am feeling really, really vibey. Um, these last couple of days, but if you would have gone back a couple of weeks, I was feeling very heavy, very emotional. And it's funny. Cause I was feeling this, these two different ways about the same thing. And I'm just, I'm vibey about Ava. She's eight months old. She is making some like huge developmental strides. You know, she's getting onto her hands and knees and not quite crawling yet. Um, she's starting to like stand and hold on to things. So she's like working her little leg muscles. Um, she's chattering more and making more and more sounds. And it's like, it's so funny because a couple of weeks ago I was like, Oh, crying. Like she's growing up so fast. Like, please stop. And now I just like, look at her with awe and I just love it. And so yeah, keeping this week's vibey short and sweet. I am just, I'm loving being in this role of a mother. I'm loving the growth that I'm seeing happen before my eyes. And I'm really proud of Jake and I for working together as a team, even when things are tough. Like I snapped at him the other night, middle of the night, of course, like when she couldn't go to sleep and like yeah. Jake couldn't get her down, I couldn't get her down. And he's complaining about being tired. And I'm like, oh, you're tired. Who's the one that gets up with her all night long? And, you know, just back and forth. And he helps a lot. And that was unfair. Yeah. Because he does. He helps out a lot. And I was I speaking from a very emotional place, yeah. but yeah. I'm just so grateful that we've been able to do this together as yeah. well as be very mindful. Mm-hmm. Probably if you're a mom, you know, this, you've heard it from other people and you've probably said it to people like, savor it because it goes by so quickly. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is one of the most common things I hear from any other parent. It goes by fast. It goes by so fast yeah. and it yeah. does. So that's why you really need to be mindful of slowing down time in the sense of being present in the moment, like not allowing the distractions to take you away from what's happening right before you. Mm-hmm. Um, and also not wishing it away. You know, yeah. it's really yeah. easy to like, Oh, I can't wait till she's doing this. I can't wait till she's mm-hmm. doing that. And it's like, 
that time will come and you'll enjoy it when it's there. But right now I'm here with her exactly as she is. So so good. And what you just said, I feel like that could be a whole conversation of not wishing it away with every, with Ava, with babies and with everything else in life, because we so often hear ourselves saying, and I, I say it a lot too. Oh, I can't wait for X, Y, Z, but actually, can we just wait? Can we just drop into the present moment, be here now? And when that time arrives, it'll arrive. I feel like that will help time. It does help time slow down a little bit. It really does. It really does. And like, that's where I, I do. I actually just noted that because I think we should have a deeper conversation mm-hmm. on that topic. Cause I have a lot to say about it in different situations in life, Yeah. but I think it is, it's so easy for us to like, look to the future yeah. and it, that's exciting and it can be really inspiring and it can keep us going, you know, when you're working towards something, but there's real beauty in the present moment. Totally. So yeah. So I'm just, I'm feeling bad because, you know, I, I feel like I kind of went through my emotional stage about it and now I'm feeling like just very happy and vibey and content just watching this little baby grow and develop. So yeah. Yeah. So, okay. You guys, we have so many good questions and I'm really, really excited to dive into them. And so I want to take this traveling, you know, you now being in Portugal, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of questions about that. So let's just keep that conversation going. I think that'll flow really well. Um, so one of the questions is, do you get lonely living or traveling alone in a city? All by yourself. Yeah. So the answer is yes. And okay. So let me back up and say that this is the actually the first time ever. You guys know that I've lived in Europe twice. The first time I went, but first of all, the both times I lived in Europe, I went through an organized program. So the first time I studied abroad, so I had a program that helped me do all of that. And they put me with three roommates. So I had three girls there already instantly the day I got there. And then on top of that, I met everybody else in the program. So it was really easy to meet people. The second time I graduated college and I taught English abroad and you can actually teach English abroad outside of a program. You don't need to do do a program. You don't need to be in one. You can just like go teach English anywhere. But I did it through a program because once again, they just like set everything. They kind of hold your hand through it. So in that time, I actually went with three girls from Michigan. So I knew people going there as well and met people in the program. So this is the very first time ever that I moved to not only a new city, but a new foreign city where nobody speaks. Well, a lot of people do speak English, but that's not the language here. It's Portuguese, of course. So this is my first time that I'm in this situation. So it's been really interesting to navigate. So yes, I've already experienced those sensations of being lonely and like feeling the loneliness. And it's almost like is it called the double-edged sword? I don't know if that's the term I'm looking for, but I kind of came here with intentions of experiencing that loneliness because we all know that when we're uncomfortable, that's when the most growth happens. And so for me, I do notice the loneliness and it's so interesting to watch what the mind in me goes through. And I've, you guys know it, you I've said it before and I'll say it again when you start to evolve in life and heal your relationship to destructive habits and patterns and comfort zones, the mind just doesn't forget about those things. It's a constant work in progress. So I've noticed the mind in me a couple of times when I feel that loneliness, wanting to turn on Netflix or wanting to go to the fridge or like get food. And so it's been really cool observing what the mind go where the mind goes and what the mind thinks when I'm in that state of loneliness. 
and then actively choosing to, instead of numb the loneliness and suppress the loneliness, instead of in choosing to use it as an opportunity to connect deeper to myself, because, and I, I really do believe though. I, I, I fully am in full belief that we are here to love and to be loved. We are here to connect with other humans, to have friendships, to have relationships, to smile at strangers, to we're, we're here to be on this planet together and we're here to work together. And I'm also a believer that your true home is your body. And so if you are connected into your body, if you are connected to spirit, to soul, to evolve self, whatever you want to call it to God, which is in my opinion, in our systems, like in our bodies, if you have a direct and deep connection with that part of you, you don't feel loneliness necessarily in a bad way. It's like, you might experience like, oh yeah, I could use a conversation right now with somebody, but at the end of the day, you feel so at home in your body that it's not like a, like a loneliness in the way that my mind used to think of it as I don't, I guess I don't really know how to explain that part of it. So that makes complete sense. It makes complete sense. And the only thing I want to add to that is it's kind of like a nudge for you guys listening, get to know that internal voice, like get to know and observe Mm -hmm. those patterns. And you'll start to see ways that you think and speak and act are sometimes literally just out of habit and repetition. You don't even think about it. And so when you do start to develop that skill that Sarah's talking about becoming aware of loneliness and her example or becoming aware for me, a lot of times it's aware of like that anger or frustration with baby things. You know, like I said, Jake and I kind of snapped the other day and I literally observed myself and in this scenario didn't stop it, but I'm getting better at that still a practice, but you start to observe like, okay, I can feel that I'm getting frustrated. And then that's when you can choose. Do you go into your automatic response, which unfortunately I did and hi, I'm human. Like I'm still working on this stuff too. Right. Or many other times I notice it. Yeah. I take a deep breath and I'm like, how do I choose to move forward in the situation. Mm -hmm. And you're right. Like these feelings and these sensations, when you start to observe them, they're not as scary or unknown as they used to be. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, yeah, the, the simple answer to that question is yes. And I came here for that. My dad actually asked me yesterday, how is it living alone? Because I've actually never lived alone before either, which is kind of bizarre to me. I've had a roommate And then I, from my last roommate, I moved in with Zach, Zach and I moved in together. So my dad's like, how is it living alone? And I'm like, it's so interesting because once again, there's a part of me that's like, of course I miss Zach. And we'll talk about that eventually too, but I miss him. And it's, you know, I miss conversing with humans and, and I miss the physical touch, but then there's the other part of me. That's like, I love being alone. I'm an introvert at heart deep down. You would think that I'm an extrovert because I'm, I can be social and you know, I speak a lot on my platforms, but I'm actually an introvert and I love my alone time. So there's a part of me that's like, I really, really love being alone and I love being tested in this way. And I love those, ex- these experiences of feeling the loneliness. Cause that's something that I've never really felt before. And once again, mm-hmm. it's in the discomfort that we grow at home. I could feel I was very, very comfortable and it's super easy to become stagnant. Like don't get me wrong. There's definitely other times in my life where I was comfortable and I still chose to grow. But for me, I just knew that this was going to be a like breakthrough point for me. So yes, I get lonely and I'm here for it. And I'm also open to meeting friends and that will happen eventually. Yeah. 
Okay. So you brought Zach up and I'm going to roll with that because I will say that is the first question when I'm either talking to people about you traveling or they're seeing it in your stories and then they see me and they're like, whoa, Sarah's moving to a different country. What about her boyfriend? Like what's happening there? So would love an update Mm -hmm. on how you're doing that and managing that like while you're yeah, out of the country. So there are so many pieces to this, but it's so funny because I get the same thing whenever I was speaking about it. First question, what about Zach? Exactly. Yeah. What about him? (laughs) What what about him? I get what they mean though. I understand. So Zach, first of all, I'm just going to throw out there that he is extremely supportive. I'm so lucky to have manifested somebody like him who is so supportive of my dreams and of my highest life. Like, and I think that a huge thing for him and I, and it's a very conscious thing as well, but a big thing for him and I, in our relationship is we want each other to be happy always, whether that means being happy together or not, like are we, we, how do I put this? Like he would rather have me be happy if this is what I'm choosing to do, which is traveling the world, which I am. He would rather do that than like try to force me to stay in Michigan and like, you know, be there just for him. Does that make sense? It's like him and I are, I mean, that is true love. I mean, whether that's romantic love, whatever, like Mm -hmm. that is, that is true love for a person when you put their happiness like above your own. Right. And And for him to care about that, like, obviously he wants to be with you and spend time with you, but he also knows that like your heart is being pulled and called this Mm -hmm. way and he supports and loves you and wants you to like live your fullest. Exactly. So he is very supportive and I'm going to throw this out there too. and, And he knows this about me and he's known this about me from the, from day one and fell in love with me anyway. I'm a very firm believer that I'm going to put my soul's desires first before anybody else. I love him so much and I'm in love with him and he is my partner and he's amazing. And I, I would be doing a disservice, not only to myself, but to him and to all of you. If I chose to ignore my soul's desires completely for somebody else, for another human. So, and he, he knows that about me. Like he knows that I, I choose to put my soul's desires first and if it works out for him and I, with me putting my soul's desires first and him doing the same, because in a way he's, he's putting himself first by choosing to stay while I'm going. Cause you know, that's, that's the other thing too, that nobody ever thinks about is like, okay, Sarah is, you know, choosing to get up and leave, but nobody ever thinks about the fact that, yeah, well, he's choosing to stay at his job and not come with me. Cause that is also an option he could quit his job and start something remote or get a job that's remote and come with me, but he's choosing not to do that. And I honor and respect that. And I understand his reasoning why, and he understands me. So there's been a lot of communication between the two of us. There's like a lot of mutual support there, but also I feel like him and I are both seeing this as a very huge opportunity to grow on our own, which will help us grow together as a couple once we're you know back together again. So him and I both realize that in order. And, and I, I believe this, I really do. Cause I've had so much experience with growth. I've been single during my evolving journey. I've been in a relationship during, during my evolving journey. And while I do believe that you can grow and evolve when you are with somebody and when you're not with somebody, 
I do find so much value in alone time, even if it's not three months. I think even just a weekend, spending a weekend by yourself, or even just a day by yourself is so necessary in relationships. And it's like, I can already see him and I, it's only been a week as the, so today when we're recording this, it's been a week and I can already see where we're both being tested and you know, how we're flowing, flowing through those tests. And so I think him and I both realize that the space is going to be really healthy for us. Um, and then the third part of this is just that. So if you guys haven't listened to our episode with Christy Whitman, go do it. She wrote the book called the desire factor. And something that has really landed with me while I'm here is my desire factor is being able to support Zach and I both in traveling the world together. So yeah. So it's like right now, I I think everybody sees like, oh my God, Sarah's moving. She's never going to see him again. First of all, it's not true. He's actually coming to visit in less than two months. And so that's exciting. Yeah. So like he's going to be here to visit while I don't know exactly when I'll be back in the States, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Cause him and I both trust that if we're meant to be, we will be. And like, okay. So that's not where I was going with this. So where I was going is that my desire factor is to build my business and expand it enough to where I can support us both financially, because as much as I love traveling the world, I would love for him to be able to do it with me. So mm-hmm. that's another thing too. It's like him he, and he trusts me fully. Like he trusts my ability to do that. And he's on board to when that is our reality, when I am creating enough money in my business to support both of us in travels, he's on board to go part-time in his job or maybe thinking about, think about leaving and who knows when that will be. But the thing is he trusts that I can do that. And he, he wants to do that. And I trust that I can do that. So lots of communication and just lots of like open-mindedness around it all. And just him and I are both seeing this as a massive opportunity to grow rather than something that's going to tear us apart. It's going to just make our relationship that much stronger. Yeah. I love that so much. I'm happy for you guys. He is so amazing. And so are you. So it's really beautiful to see Mm -hmm. two people support each other like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is a really popular question. Um, and this was a question that I always had myself when I would see other people do it is how do you afford to travel for so long like this? Yeah. So there's two parts to this. One of them I answered last week. If you guys follow me on Instagram, you probably saw this a little bit, but I, so I studied abroad in college and then I had a marketing degree or I have a marketing degree. Once I graduate, I'm like, I don't know what the heck I want to do with this marketing degree, but I know I want to travel. So I, moved back to Europe. I moved to Spain and I taught English for six months. And while I was there, I had some health issues and then I started to heal them on my own. And then I moved back to the States to start to get into coaching. I'm like, this is what I want to do. I'm so passionate about this. And it's evolved from there. However, when I got into coaching, so I've been through three certification programs now, but after the first certification program, which was a year long, I had the option. I could go be a coach for a company because at the time I was an integrative nutrition health coach. So I thought about, and I actually started applying for jobs at companies to be health coaches for like corporate. So I had the option of doing that, or I had the option of building my own thing. 
And so I decided that I wanted to build my own thing because I love traveling so much. And the idea of being able to take my business wherever I wanted to go, like if I wanted to go back to Europe or if I wanted to go to Japan or Bali or somewhere else, having the freedom to be able to do that was something that was really important to me. So the first part of this is I've spent the last, well, let's see, it'll be three years in April that I've been running my business, not full-time. I did it like part-time-ish the first year. So almost, well, let's see. On and off, part and full-time. I think I've been doing it full-time for actually almost a year. But in the past three years, I have worked to create a sustainable income in my business to allow me to pack up and go. And I know that right now that's... And so I also mentioned on my stories last week that, first of all, I believe that this is available for anybody. I truly, in my Mm -hmm. core, in my soul, believe that. Like If you desire this lifestyle, if you have something that you're really passionate about that you even if you don't see yourself monetizing right now, I I do believe that we can always turn our passions into something that we can monetize and we can do it some way digitally or remotely. But even if you're not your own CEO, there's so many opportunities right now, especially with COVID happening the past two years to work remote. So I believe that, that it's, I think it's easier and more accessible than people think. So that was like the first part of this. And then the second part of this is that And I think somebody might have asked another question similar somewhere in here, but it's not, I mean, Europe, I'm in Europe, so I don't know about other countries, but Europe specifically is not like the standard of living is not a bunch more money than in America. It's about the same. And actually in Portugal, I'm finding out that restaurants, cafes are about the same. Grocery stores are actually cheaper. And for Hmm. rent, just full transparency for the studio in the city, I'm paying 1200 a month. And I have a friend who lives in New York city who pays, I don't know, like 16 to 1800 a month. So it's like, and and I think studios, even in Michigan, if you're going to get a one bedroom place or a studio, which my studio is pretty spacious here in, in Lisbon, it's about the same price. So Rent yeah, I was gonna say I have friends that rent downtown in Michigan, um, and they pay I think around a thousand to twelve hundred. Exactly. So rents about the same price. Cafes, restaurants, same price. Groceries here are cheaper. There have mm-hmm. been places in so in England and um, in France, maybe you pay a tiny bit more in the city, but in general, the standard of living is pretty similar. So it's it's really like I'm, it's like I'm paying for what I pay for back in the States, but I'm just doing it in a different location and then flights. So I, I waited a while to buy my flight and I bought a one way. So it was not the cheapest I've ever gotten for Europe, but for Zach, he's flying round trip out of an international airport, I should mention. So if you're near an international airport in the United States, or I guess anywhere else, Zach's flying round trip for $400. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. Out of Chicago. And my mom, like when she came to visit me, her flights were like 360 round trip. I think that was in a Madrid at 425. So it's not, if if you have the flexibility of the days you travel, because if you want very specific days and times, that's when it can get a little pricey. But if you have flexibility, which if you're going to make a move like this or go stay somewhere for a month or two, I'm sure that you have some flexibility. If you have flexibility, you can really find cheap flights. Do you have any thoughts? Cause here was always one of the things that prevented me. I'd be curious to hear like just your take on this is like, like if I wanted to travel for three months somewhere, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> do you just like keep paying rent in both places? Like where you currently live 
your home base and then wherever you're going to stay? Or do you like pack all your stuff into a storage and then move? That was always like the thing that held me up the most. And Mm -hmm. I just would be curious to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, So let's see the first time I did it, I subleased. So I was, yeah. So I was living in an apartment and I subleased, I found a subleaser for my room, which was awesome. So she, it was just like four months and it was like perfect timing for her too. So I subleased the first time and I will say that the second and third. So like right now as well, my parents both live in my hometown and they both have extra bedrooms. So I just moved all of my stuff into my parents' houses both times. So I do have, you know, I do have the gift of that. However, if I didn't, I would either sublease because subleasing is way easier than people think. I would sublease, I would rent, I would think about Airbnb being my house out because that's always an option too. And you can find somebody to be the manager for you and just like give them a cut of whatever you make on the Airbnb. Um, Or it depends on when the lease is up to, right? Because it's like, if you have a contract, obviously that's probably going to have to be your option. If you don't have a contract, you could think about waiting till your lease is up, make the move. And then once you get back, find a place, find a place. Mm-hmm. Sure. Which by the way, I, I got asked this too. I am doing monthly Airbnbs. That's how I found this place. So on Airbnb, you can go to like a month stay and it's just like paying rent. So I'm, I rented this place for the next three months and I just pay as if I'm paying rent. So I paid my first payment when I booked it and then I'll just pay monthly after this. Yeah. Let us know you guys. Like I said, this was always when, before I started my business was working full time, like the whole digital nomad lifestyle really, really called to me. Mm-hmm. And I wanted that freedom and that flexibility. I've done some longer term travel. I've never traveled for as long as Sarah has or out of the country for an extended period of time like that. Um, but I always loved hearing like the nitty gritty details of figuring it out. Like you said, like Mm -hmm. here's a bunch of ideas, like make this happen. Like don't let the excuses stop you from doing these things because it's easy to be like, Oh, well, I don't know what I'm going to do about this. I'm just not going to do it. Mm -hmm. And instead, like if you want us to go in more detail on this, let us know. We can create a whole episode really diving deep into the details of Mm -hmm. traveling. I can share some of the things that worked for me. Sarah obviously is going to have way more to say because she's like in the middle of doing it right now. Um, but let us know if you're interested in that. Um, okay. One more question and we'll move on to another topic, but how do you get over the fear of traveling alone in a new country? Mm, This is so good. So, okay. My very first thing that comes up for me when I'm asked this is what you focus on, you create more of. And like, you guys know, I preach that because I truly, truly believe, and I've seen it happen in my life and so many other people's lives. But I really do believe that if I give in to the fear, I'm either A, not going to end up going and I'm going to let my fear win because that's another thing that comes up for me is like, let your faith be bigger than your fear. I've always loved that quote so much. I do too. Because if you, I mean, if you let your fear win, you're always going to stay exactly where you're at and you're never going to follow your dreams because at the end of the day, fear is everywhere. It's out there all the time in all these different ways. You can either let your fear win or you can let your deeper desires win. So, but I also believe that even if you choose to do something like this and then you focus on the fear, you're probably going to attract things that make you feel fearful. And so I will say that it was a buildup. Now, the first time I ever did this, when I studied abroad, I was not anywhere. I I didn't start my personal development journey. I, I wasn't on my growth journey yet. And I remember 
going abroad and I watched one of my roommates take a solo trip. And I remember thinking to myself, I could never do that. I'm like, I have to travel with these girls. I can't, I could never go alone. Like she is. And then the second time going to Europe, I was like, I kind of feel pulled to try this thing alone. Now I will say that I, I knew the ropes a little bit because I had lived in Europe once before. So I was a little bit confident. I was a little bit more confident about like the, the transportation systems and whatnot and getting to the airport and back. So I did a solo trip and I fell in love with it. And then, so obviously like that led to me being here now, but I really do think like the biggest thing that helped me get over my fear was just focusing on the, like playing the, what if game from the positive end of the spectrum? What if it all goes well? What if I love it? What if I find myself? What if I uncover so much? What if I, and, and visualization is huge here for me too. It, and I mean, this might all sound like so woo woo, but it's so, I'm just speaking from my personal experience and from my yeah. truth. I, and, and every time I notice the mind in me, maybe getting a little bit nervous. So for example, one of the times was I had to get a Uber from the airport in Lisbon to my apartment in Lisbon, which was like a 25 minute Uber. And so I found myself the, and my driver spoke no English. And so when I got, it was super silent in the car. When I got in, I found myself like a little eerie, even though I had, I always, this is like the biggest hack and I love it so much. And I still do it, even though I'm pretty confident in traveling now you pull up your destination on your Google maps before getting in the Uber and you don't push start. You just like pull up the location. So it shows you the route that you can take. And even if you don't have service or Wi-Fi, Google maps, the blue dot will still thought like you can still follow your path. So I always pull it up just to make sure we're staying on path and going toward the location. But I will say that there was a little bit of like eeriness. And so I started visualizing like myself with a smooth Uber getting to my apartment smoothly him being able to find it smoothly, everything going well. And of of course it happened. So I use visualization all of the time. And of course I have like awareness and I've, you know, learned these little hacks, which if we do that episode, we'll definitely share them. I've learned these little hacks to make the mind in me feel a little bit more safe, but I also am not like hyper aware and super, super worried because this is a really good, okay. This is a great thing to compare it to manifestation, babe. If you guys know her, then great. If you don't, you should. She's awesome. We love her. And she was speaking once on, um, emergency fund, how she, people like to say like, Oh, you better build up your emergency fund. You have to have an emergency fund. And she's like, why would we call it an emergency fund? You're literally just manifesting an emergency happening. That's such a low vibing energy. We call Mm -hmm. it opportunity fund. So I'm like, hell yeah. So (laughs) I was like, I'm doing it. Like this is, I, so I started creating an opportunity fund, but it's kind of similar to that. It's like, if you put your thoughts and your energy toward, oh my God, what's going to happen? What's going to happen to me? This is scary. You're going to manifest experiences that are, you know, in alignment with that in my belief. So Mm -hmm. just, and then, and okay, one more thing. So kind of going along with all this, I just really try to remember that even though the country is foreign to me, it's not a foreign country. Like, does that make sense? It's like people live their everyday lives there grow up there. Yeah. Right. Like it's their community. Like the people here are just like the people in my community where I grew up. Mm -hmm. And so, and like, if somebody from Portugal came to Michigan, I would think nothing, I would see them and be like, Oh sweet. They're in Michigan. Like they're so safe. Like I would never think that they were in danger. You know what I mean? And so I just try to remember that even though 
the country is foreign to me. And even though I'm going into a new city that I don't know much about and that I I don't know the language in, it's foreign to me, but it's not foreign to them. This is a community of really amazing people who have a heart, who have a soul, who have beautiful, lovely intentions. So I just really tap into the pure divine love and all the humans in this community. And it makes me feel so much more safe and like welcome and open to exploring. Love it. And I feel like that actually takes us right into a next question, which is kind of a juicy one. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when we're talking about manifestation, visualization, the mm-hmm. things we focus on, we create more of in our life. Do you see a connection between privilege and the change of manifestation or the chance of manifestation actually working? Mm, such a good question. That's a good question. So my first answer is no, absolutely not. Do I see a connection between now with that wording? So we'll go a little bit deeper, but with that wording, do I see a connection between privilege and the chances of manifestation actually working? No, because manifestation has like, like all of us right now, no matter where you came from, what your background, no matter what you look like, we are all manifesting our lives 100% of the time. So even that, that wording of manifestation actually working, there is no, in my opinion, there is no actually about manifestation. Manifestation is always working 100% of the time. Like it's always happening. We are, whatever your life situation is right now, look around, it's manifested. There's a part of you that is manifesting that. So manifestation, it's not it's not a mind thing. It's, I mean, what you focus on, you create more of. Yes. Yeah. So the, the mind is a tool in manifestation, but the core of manifestation is energy. It's all energetics. It's our souls. It's our, it's the, the, the emotion and everything, the energies that's trapped in our body. Like that's all doing the manifesting for us. So the, the privilege and manifestation actually working. No, I don't see a connection there. Now, what I feel like this person probably meant to ask was like, do you think that privilege makes it easier to manifest? And I will say that I'm, I'm still sitting with this one, but I have some thoughts that come up, so I will share them. I, I, and I am still trying to navigate this too. So I'm just going to be super honest with you guys. that I'm still like exploring all this. So I'm also in the trauma space. So I've done trauma coaching myself. Like I've taken, I've worked with the trauma coach. A lot of, you know, that the past six months, I had a one-on-one trauma coach. I of course was doing my own trauma healing in my system, but at the same time, I'm learning like more and more about trauma in my breathwork teacher training certification. I learned about trauma there as well. I'm very into the trauma world and incorporating trauma healing into everything that I do with myself and my clients. So I'm still exploring. There are a lot of people in the trauma world who don't believe in something called big T, little T, which is like big trauma, little trauma. There are a lot of people who believe a trauma is a trauma. So no matter what your background, like there could be two people with completely different backgrounds that experience completely different things that the minds might look at person A and be like, oh my gosh, that was so traumatic. I'm just going to give an example of this actually. So Zach, when he was little, he got hit by a car. So him, did you know that? I don't think so. Yeah, it was bad. Like he was riding on the pegs of his friend's bike. They were 11. Actually, I think I did know this. A guy had a, 
a stroke or a heart attack. And he went off the road, hit a phone pole, which cut his car in half. And he hit Zach and his friend. And mm-hmm. like, they both went flying and like, it was bad. Like it was a really, really bad um, car accident. And so a lot of people in the trauma world will say like, okay, so like that definitely created a trauma in both of their systems, probably in more than one way. So a lot of people will say that that trauma is a trauma. And then there could be somebody who experienced like, let me think of another trauma that somebody might see as like a lighter trauma being picked on in school. I like just, or maybe like, um, like a breakup. I feel like a breakup, yeah, is a, breakup a breakup being picked on in school or, um, yeah, like I always felt like the odd one out growing up. So like, I, I just always felt like my friend was like the cool girl and I wasn't in elementary school. And so a lot of people in the trauma world will say that even though our minds will look at getting hit by a car as like, oh my God, that's so traumatic. But like me feeling like that now is like, that's not super traumatic. A lot of people in the trauma world will say that that doesn't matter. Big trauma, little trauma isn't a thing. They're all traumas. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I just wanted to put that out there first, because this is something I'm still exploring is like, do I believe that or do I not? Because then there's this other part of me that there's a part of me that sees how that could be possible. How, you know, is that getting hit by a car? And then like him being told no to something he really wanted to do when he was little could create a very similar trauma in his body. I could see how that's possible. And I also can see how our backgrounds and what we experience do create different levels of trauma in the body. And your, your energetics are what is helping you or hindering you from manifesting intentionally. So I think that's kind of what the question actually was here. It's not in, or at least in my opinion, it's not actually manifesting. We're always manifesting, but it's like intentional manifesting. So there is also a part of me that believes. So while there is this part of me that believes that no privilege has nothing to do with it, because at the end of the day, we are all souls. We all have energy. We all have traumas that are of all different sorts that come from all different places. And we all have the power to work through that trauma, to break through that trauma and manifest whatever we desire. I mean, in that I can speak to that myself. And I can also say that I have so many mentors from so many different walks of life, so many different backgrounds. My mentors have completely different upbringings and they are all like manifesting their wildest dreams and beyond. They are all multimillionaires. They are all like, not that money is everything, but that's usually what people like to manifest because, you know, you can use it to travel the world and do all these cool things. So so there's that, but then like, there's, there's this part of me that sees myself. And so just, just a really real example. Once again, I, when I saw this question come through, I was just like sitting with it and I'm like, yeah, I do believe. So I, um, have these little cousins who I'm thinking of and they're all sisters and they have a very, very different upbringing than I do, like very different. and. I had the privilege of having two parents for the most part. When I grew up, we weren't wealthy. We were like maybe lower middle class. Um, and I was well taken care of not to say that traumas didn't get created because they absolutely did, which is why I'm into this work in this first place, but that that's how I was raised. And then I had these little cousins who 
they're, they were not raised like that at all. Like they, they were raised in like not the greatest environment and not the most caring parents and, um, lots of things happening from a very young age. And so when I compare, when I think about manifestation, the difference I see there is that I see that I, I just feel like the access to the knowledge and the wisdom that I have gained to make me wake up to the fact that I can intentionally manifest is more readily available for, for, for me and my privilege than somebody like them. Does that make sense? That makes complete sense. And like, I think a good analogy is like, if you guys are in a race to your manifestation goals, you have a head start. Yeah. Like you, you have far, you have less to overcome to get there. You can still get there. Right. But it's going to take a little bit longer. It's going to feel a little bit harder. There's going to be more struggles right. that someone without that privilege is going to have to go through. Yeah, exactly. And so, and I just think, like I said, like the access to the access to. So I'm just, I started to think about, okay, when did I start to realize that I actually could create my own reality? When did I start to realize that I have the power to work through trauma, to release trauma, to shift limiting beliefs that I'm carrying? And it was when I, was living in Europe the second time. And I ran into this book that taught me that. So then I started thinking about like backtracking and what book was that? Um, well, actually the very first book ever that it was the first book that introduced me to holistic health, which was just a recipe book by deliciously Ella. So that wasn't, that wasn't like the book that taught me about manifesting okay. the book that taught me about it was, um, you are a badass by Jen Sincero, which I talk about all the time on here, but, but that book in, in London that led me, it just like opened the can of worms for all of this. It, it just mm-hmm. like led me down the rabbit hole to spirituality and involvement. So then Love I it. thought about like, I backtracked on how I got there and I'm like, yeah, so for somebody like me, when I'm comparing myself to my little cousins who had a very different upbringing than me, um, they're also all women of color. So throw that in there. They, I, I, I do see that, like how I got there, the privilege that I've had growing up, the privilege that I had with the support of my family and just the general white privilege helped me get there to open that book. And, and even just like and then I think about, you know, my cousins, they, they have schooling, they have education, and I'm, I'm so happy for them in that. And there are people in the world who don't have that. Like there are people who literally don't have the privilege of learning how to read a book like that. Mm-hmm. So this is or just having, like, yeah, like having the time and space. Like if you're in a position where your focus is, where am I going to get my next meal? Where am I going to sleep tonight? Right. Am I safe? Yeah. Are you, you even going to have read these books or watch these videos. And you know, yeah, it's like, that's not on your radar right now. Your radar is like, I need to survive and I need to exactly that. I get it. Exactly. So that's, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that because that's like a really good way to sum up what I'm saying here. So do I think that privilege has to do with manifestation actually working? No, I don't. I do believe that literally any human, no matter the background, no matter what you look like, none of that, I think no matter what you absolutely can manifest your dream life. Mm -hmm. But in the process of even realizing that I can intentionally manifest in, like you said, overcoming, I'm still sitting with the big T little T. I don't know if I believe in that or not. As of now, I feel like I lean more toward an upbringing. Like one of my little cousins is thinking of one of them specifically. She's going to have a lot more wounding and trauma 
to work through, to breathe through, to move through a lot heavier of limiting beliefs to shift than I did. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's where I'll end right now. Maybe we can do a whole, I would actually love to have somebody on the show who could speak directly to this and I like go deeper with us on this, because it's something that I'm always navigating. And I will say too, that I, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to like go in too deep, but I do believe in also supporting the evolution of people who maybe aren't as privileged, because I think that that's like a way to actually help our world heal is by doing what we can to get this kind of information, this knowledge, and this wisdom to everybody. Um, so yeah, I would love to just have like a whole conversation about that one day too. And like how we're doing that and how we can all do that as a community. Absolutely. Yeah. That was a really good question. I was happy to see it there and thank you for sharing you know, your insights on it, as well as the fact that you're still sitting with it and you're still doing Mm -hmm. some discovery there and just being really transparent about that because it can be a tough thing to talk about and navigate a conversation. And, you know, we're all trying our best. We're learning, we're unlearning and we need to keep that going and keep this conversation going. So thank you for that. Of course. Okay. Switching gears a little bit. Yeah. Um, what is a sustainable or earth conscious choice that you make that you wish that everyone else did. Mm, I love this question so much. Yeah, me too. Uh, um, okay. So first one is I never buy plastic water bottles ever. Okay. Actually I shouldn't say ever unless I absolutely have to, if in the only way I absolutely have to is like, okay. So for example, I was in the Paris airport And I ran out of water in my water bottle and they didn't have, they don't have like the water fountains or at least I didn't find one. Like we do in our airport, which is like, you can just hold it up and it will, you know, pour your water bottle. Yeah. And I was so dehydrated because I barely, I slept a lot on the plane. So I barely drank water. And so I, I was like in a moment where I had to, but if I'm not in a moment like that, I do not buy big packages of plastic water bottles anymore. It literally makes me cringe. So I, that's something that I do. I use my own water bottle. I always fill it up. I drink tap water. I know that some people are like, uh, tap water. Nope. I will do tap water all day, every day. (gasps) That's me. I'm a tap water. (laughs) As long as it's safe. That was one of the first questions I asked somebody I met in Portugal is, can I drink the tap water? They said, yes. I was so happy. Obviously there are places that they're in. And I need to be like real about this too, because there are places where people can't do this. So I I'll, I'll reframe this. This is a practice that I do using my own water bottle, filling it up, drinking tap water as much as I can. Um, and I, I do wish more of the world would do it because I do understand that there are places in the world. I mean, even when I went to Dominican Republic, you can't drink their tap water there. So there are places right. where you have to buy that water. Um, but that's one thing. Another thing of course is just recycle. Once again, it makes me cringe at this point to throw away like a plastic milk jug. I don't even drink milk. I don't buy milk anymore. That's probably not a good example. Um, but Zach would buy the waters that come in milk jugs. And so just even seeing one in a garbage makes me cringe. Um, so yeah, those are like the two, the two biggest. And then something else that I've been doing as of like the last year is if I see like paper or anything around the garbage, I'll pick it up. I don't go as I haven't picked up litter yet. I actually would like to, I live on in Michigan. The house that I was living in is on a street where there's like litter. And I, every time I go for a walk, I'm like, Oh, I got to bring my garbage bag next time. Oh, I got to bring my garbage bag. And I always forgot. But the one thing that I do like to do is like, especially in like public bathrooms and stuff, 
but outside as well. If there's a garbage near and I see something and I'm going to throw something away, I'll pick it up and throw it into. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Those, Those are, are good. Yeah. I'm right there with yeah. you. I have a refillable cup and water bottle that I use all the time. Yeah. And I joke, so I don't drink our tap water, but I, we have like a reverse osmosis system yeah. that we drink out of. And I like joke that Jake and I are water snobs now um, <laughs> because we have that at home. It's like one of the things yeah. where I love drinking water. Like water is... Yeah. I drink water, coffee, and then sometimes wine. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I like having really fresh and clean mm-hmm. water. And like, I love having a big cup or water bottle to refill and yeah, cut back on plastic water bottles. For yeah. Sure. Ooh. Okay. Got a few more questions here and some good ones too. Um, let's start with this one. I compare myself a lot. How do I stop doing that? <laughs> Mm, didn't we do a whole episode on comparison? We did. And it's one of our early OG, uh, episodes. So yeah. So I would say that that'll be the first step. Yeah, absolutely. Go back and listen to that. It was like, I don't know. I think like six or seven. Yeah. It was big. It was a big episode. I think we let me, let me look it up while you start sharing some tips and then I'll share what episode it is. Yeah. So go back and listen to the comparison episode, but honestly, overcoming comparison. And first of all, just be nice to yourself about it. And like, don't be hard on yourself for, for being in the cycle of comparing, because the more you shame yourself for comparing, it's, it's weird, but the more it's going to happen. So send yourself some love. Know that it's episode number three. Okay. Oh, wow. Super early. Okay. All right. Yeah. Go listen to the third episode. Comparison, um, the thief of joy is what yeah. it's titled. Episode. So go listen to that. But I feel like with comparison, and I know this might sound annoying because it's not like a straight up tip, but really just being on this journey of learning yourself, loving yourself and evolving into your truth. Just the journey in itself is going to help you stop comparing and, and I'm, I'm even hesitant to say stop because it doesn't just always stop. I mean, it definitely minimizes once upon a time I would scroll Instagram, comparing myself to every single girl I saw on there. And now it just once in a while, I'll notice the mind thinking thoughts of comparison. I'll be like, Oh, well, what's happening here? Like, let's observe mm-hmm. this. Um, but yeah, I think just like this whole journey of intending to uncover your truth and decondition the mind and unlearn everything that you've been taught. Because I think that's one of the biggest things with comparison is you're comparing yourself to things you think you should be or ways you think you quote unquote should look. So question that. So I used to compare myself a lot to women on the internet who had super flat stomachs because my stomach has just never been flat. It's still not completely flat. Like I have a little bump that no matter how much or how little fat I had in my body, it was always there. So I would always compare myself to that. And then I started asking myself, whoever said the flat stomach is the most beautiful body in the world. Whoever made up the idea that even skinny bodies are what's gorgeous or what you should have. I started just getting super, I started questioning a lot. And like, so now I guess I'll, I also do this with, um, I, I would say that the thing that I compare myself on the most right now is business and where other people are at and where I'm at compared to other people. And yeah. And so 
when I do that, I think to myself, whoever said that you need to have this big of a business by this age, whoever made up the, like, it just doesn't exist. You can't find the root of that ever. So just questioning and getting super curious, like, why do I think this? And then also, um, like I, another thing that's really helped me is kind of peeling apart my upbringing and what I was taught and what I was told by parents, guardians, teachers, like the, the environment and the community that I grew up in, I just started to trace back, like, Hmm, this is interesting that I compare myself to this girl for this reason. Where could that have maybe come from? Did my mom do that? Did my dad do that? Did one of my teachers say something about that? Did my friend's mom who I was around a lot, did she do that? I just started to get curious about where these patterns came from. And then just realizing that the thoughts in you that compare. So that comparison voice in your head is not you. I think that's just, that's where I'm going to wrap this up is I want you to remember that you are not your thoughts. So every time you hear a voice in your head, that's comparing, know that that is actually not you, you, the truth of you, you are your soul. You are spirit. You are your highest self, whatever that is. And that part of you doesn't even understand what the word comparison means. It doesn't know comparison. That part of you is nothing but pure, unconditional love for self and for everybody else around you. And so when you hear those thoughts of comparison, just remember that that's, that's not ultimate truth. You can even ask yourself that question. I'm always asking when I'm hearing thoughts in my head, I'm like, is this ultimate truth? No. Is this ultimate truth that flat stomachs are the most beautiful thing ever? No. Is the ultimate truth that big booties are the the best body in the world? No, because some cultures think the exact opposite. Like it's all opinion. So just realizing that you are not your thoughts and you don't have to identify with those things can be super helpful in shifting them. Because then at that point you can be like, oh, I am not my thoughts. I don't need to buy into this comparison. Let me drop back into my body and my heart and feel into my truth, which is nothing but pure love and joy for everything that I have. And I am now. I love that so much. The one thing I'll add that I know has helped me a lot is remembering that someone else's beauty, success, abundance does not take away from my own. Mm -hmm. And whenever I would compare someone, it's like that person can be rich and beautiful and happy. And so can I Mm -hmm. like just because they are doesn't mean I am not. So remembering that it's not like a piece of the pie. And like once the pie is gone, it's gone. It's like, no, there's pie for everyone. So you can be beautiful and have everything you need and rich and happy and abundant. And so can that other person. Exactly. And just trusting your journey is yours as well. Like everything's happening for you in perfect timing. I think that is something that of course I, it started as an idea. And then as I sat with that, that idea and put my trust and belief in that idea, it just became an embodiment of what I truly viscerally believe and our souls Mm -hmm. believe it. So as you sit with that idea that everything's happening for me in perfect timing, my journey is mine and it's unique and it's made exactly for me. And my soul is here to be on this exact path that I'm on now. It gets really easy, easy, not really easy. It gets easier to stop comparing because now, like I said, I'll look at these other people with these amazing businesses and I'll hear the thoughts maybe here and there of comparison. And then I'll be like, no, like this is, this is where I'm supposed to be now. I'm not supposed to be there yet. If I was supposed to be there, I would be there now. So I'm just going to keep taking one step at a time and doing me and my business. And it's going to happen in perfect timing for my soul's involvement and wisdom. Hell yeah. That's so true. And such a good reminder. Okay. So we have a couple more questions. I'm turning them into mini 
rapid fire slash like favorites. Okay. So when I say rapid fire, take a moment to think about it. If you need to, you know, you don't have to <laughs> quickest answer as quick as possible, but keep it to like one thing. Okay. And then we'll jump into some of like your favorite things. So what is one tip you would give to someone to overcome their anxiety? Mm. Start observing the mind observation, observation versus identification, that whole idea, that whole concept that is the number one tip that I have for you. So I'm going to go into it just a little bit, but I'll keep it simple it's basically kind of just what I said with the, with the other, um, with comparison. So realizing that you are not your thoughts. And every time you feel those sensations of anxiety, what observation means is you pull yourself out of your body, out of your human experience. And that might feel a little foreign to you at first. And that's okay. Just sit with these words, sit with this idea. You pull yourself out of your body and you just kind of watch your thoughts and you just separate yourself from them. And you observe what's happening in the mind and you you ask yourself, is this an ultimate truth? Is this ultimate truth? That is the concepts of, of observation versus identification. And that is the number one thing that helps me heal anxiety and overcome it and will help you as well. What is one tip for someone to develop real self-love for themselves? Mm, Just one, just one. (sighs) Spend more time alone. I love it. And when I say alone, I mean alone, not with Netflix, not with music, like some music and songs, like not uh, like more time, not with distractions, but more time alone. And in your journal, I would say that's alone time or meditation yeah. or whatever breath work, but like be alone. Yeah. That's a good one. What is the biggest thing that breath work has done to change your life? You're really killing me with only being able to answer with one question or with one response. Oh, it's your birthday. So do what you want. Girl. <laughs> um, okay. So the one way that breathwork has one way that has changed my life is by helping me be more calm, <laughs> just seriously more calm throughout my everyday life, more calm, more peace, more bliss incorporating breath work has truly helped me achieve that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now we're going to jump into some of your favorites. Okay. Okay. What is your favorite music at this moment? Mm -hmm. Song artist channel on Spotify. Odessa instrumental Spotify playlist, because I want to explain this in a little bit because I can't. Okay. So I get very, I, I can't really work when I'm hearing music, I was at a cafe the other day and I forgot my headphones and they were playing the best music. Because if you didn't know this in Europe, they play American music. America is like the entertainment capital of the world. So they're playing American music and I was getting so distracted by the songs and like singing them and like dancing a little bit. And so I can't, I can't work with like songs that I love, but the cafes here are really loud. So I'm like, what do I do? And I discovered the Odessa instrumental playlist and it is a godsend. I love it. Not only is it just instrumental music, so it's like a good distraction to outside conversations and music, but it's super vibey and inspiring. And I just really can get in my workflow. So that is my current favorite. What's your favorite emoji? 
Mm, this changes too, but as of now, uh, no, it doesn't change. I feel like I said this last episode. It's the stars. I love the stars. The three sparkle stars. Yeah. Or the shooting one. Or the shooting star. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which one is it? The sparkle star. I use that one more. What's your favorite morning practice? Oh, let's talk about currently because it changes as well. So as of now, my favorite morning practice is freehand journaling. When I say that, I mean without prompts. So I've just been grabbing my journal, writing the date, and I talk about whatever comes up, my sleep. And I think that too, going back to the loneliness question, I think that's that's definitely something I turn to when I'm starting to feel the loneliness is I talk to myself and I I journal to myself. So just freehand journaling and writing about my experience and my sleep or whatever it is, whatever comes up as if I was having a conversation with somebody is my favorite morning practice right now. That's such a good one. I remember, um, so I learned this strategy oddly in seventh grade English class and every student had what she called a writer's notebook. And for the beginning of class, I think she'd set her timer for 15 minutes and she goes, I don't care what you write. Mm. If you write the same sentence over and over, write for 15 minutes. Wow. What a great teacher in seventh grade. What? Mm -hmm. So that's one way you can go about doing that style. And I think that might be part of why I've always been a journaler, but that style of like, just write whatever comes to mind. It doesn't need to make sense. It doesn't need to be grammar correct. Like, write, 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 whatever comes to your mind. So I resonate with that one. What's your favorite food? Oh my gosh. Okay. This is not, can we do favorite food and dessert? Cause this is not a food, but it's a dessert. Okay. So let's start with food. I just got so excited about the dessert though. I can't wait to tell you guys. Okay. So my favorite food, ah, I, I really love vegetables. Oh my gosh. You boring adult. I I literally still am like, yeah, but it's, it's so interesting because if you guys have heard me talk about my health journey before, which by the way, an episode will be coming out soon about like food, because I did promise that one, like legit, like basic food stuff from my holistic nutrition background, but I hated vegetables. I hated them my entire life. And then I was 20 years old in college and I started to explore weightlifting and macros. It was like kind of when I entered the, you know, freaking diet binge world and well, not binge. Cause I was definitely doing it before that. But anyway, I started to enter this realm of like health and wellness. And I started to learn about how vegetables are really good for you. And we all need them. So I would hide them into foods. I would like hide them into salads, like chop them up in the tiniest pieces. So I couldn't taste them douse my salads and dressing, which defeated the purpose, but whatever. And then my taste buds started to change. So now I'm just so obsessed with them. Like I'm so excited to eat dinner and I have baked sweet potatoes, onion, broccoli, carrots. I baked all of those with olive oil and then I mix them in with quinoa and I'm obsessed. I put tahini on them. I'm like very obsessed with tahini went through a whole jar in a week. Um, but yeah, you struggle to eat veggies. Roasted veggies are like chef's godsend. Kiss. Yeah. Nope. I know you said, I know you said only one answer and it's also my birthday, so I can do whatever I want. So yeah. you gave me that permission. <laughs> um, I also have been really into pasta lately, which is so weird for me for a while there. I thought I was pregnant because I was craving pasta so much. And I'm like, and I wish that you were. <laughs> I was like, well, why? I know that's one way to get me to come back. Right. I'm like, Zach, if you really didn't want me to leave, you could just not. <laughs> yeah. Here's one thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I've been very into pasta lately. So I, and I'm pumped because I'm in Portugal and 
pasta originates in Italy. So there are definitely some really good Italian places here that I'm going to have to check out soon. And yeah, it like feels really good pasta? to like, like more say details. That. Like what on it? What do you eat on your pasta? Oh, um, okay. So when I was in New York city, I had this, it was like these long, I think they're fettuccine noodles. And of course there was vegetables mixed in. So like mushroom, I love a pasta with like mushrooms and spinach. Oh, and I think there was shrimp in it too, but I, it just feels really good to even say that because once upon a time, I would not let myself eat pasta. And that's why it's super fun being in Portugal now, because the last two times I was living abroad, oh my gosh, the restriction, like would not let myself eat so many of the um, like cultural foods because I was so afraid of gaining weight. Seriously. Like I, when I studied abroad in Prague, I missed out on so much because I was so afraid of gaining weight. I really needed to go back to Michigan skinny, which I'm just like honoring and like sending love to that version of me who was like, so stuck in that mm-hmm. mindset. And then even in Spain too, but it's interesting because in Spain, I wouldn't really let myself and I would let myself try things here and there. So I remember I was in Greece and I had like their um, baklava, it's called, it's their dessert there. And I tried it once, but like, I remember um, my friend and I who were in Greece, we went out to get breakfast or whatever. And she got one of their pastries. That's super common for breakfast there. And I wouldn't let myself do it. I'm like, nope, because I was like really restrictive on like gluten and dairy. And once again, not gaining weight. So it feels good to like even say I love pasta right now because I'm just in such a total state of food freedom. And now to clarify, food freedom doesn't mean that like I'm not intentional about nourishing my body. I absolutely am. And I let myself enjoy those things too. And I don't binge on them anymore, which is the difference. Like once upon a time, a part of the reason why I wouldn't let myself eat pasta is because I knew I would binge, like eat the entire thing and I would feel sick afterward, but now I can listen to my body. So Favorite foods and then favorite dessert. Oh my yeah, God. Have you ever heard me. of pastel de nada? Have you heard of that? Uh-uh. You guys. Oh my gosh. So Portugal listeners, you guys feel me. Julia, um, actually she's a listener of our show as well. She's the one who recommended it because she studied in Lisbon. So it's a pastry that is, so it's a dessert. It looks like a little pie. Like it looks like a tiny little pie and it's, so it's like, a, it looks like a pie crust. It doesn't taste like a pie crust, but it looks like a pie crust. And it's filled with like this pudding, but you know how they glaze, like they put fire on the top of desserts to glaze them. Do you yeah. Know, I've ever seen yeah. that. Or like, so like, it looks like they burn them a little bit, but it's like glazing. I think it's called. Yeah. So they do, you can tell that they did that, but Julia was like, you have to try these. They originated in Portugal. They're from here. Here's the two places to go. And I was on a walk the other day and I saw one of the places. I'm like, I got to try it. I have no idea what this is. I brought them home. I was telling Zach today and he was laughing at me. Literally heaven. Like my, I love chocolate. You guys, I like it more than chocolate. Like it's the best thing I've ever tasted in the dessert world. It's, it's heaven in a bite. I'm like, holy shit. So if you guys ever go to Portugal, pastel de nada, P-A-S-T-E-L de N-A-T-A. And yeah, hit me up if you ever go to Portugal and ask me where to get them. And I'll tell you what Julia recommended because delicious yum i know oh my gosh so good okay you might need to think about this one maybe maybe not okay but if you had to pick one at the moment what is your favorite instagram page the holistic psychologist no doubt that one came so easy i love her and and it's just yeah her teachings are very in alignment with mine and so i just love her little quotes that yeah are good reminders for everyone you read her book, right? 
Uh, I read it like half of it. I didn't get all the way through. Yeah. I started, I, I have the habit right now and I'm actually getting way better at it, especially because I only let myself bring four books here with me. And so I thought to myself last night, I'm like, I'm going to have to reread all of these because I like, I'm have so much time to read now and I love it. Um, yeah. but I, I was definitely in the habit of getting halfway through a book and then switching. Mm-hmm. I'm actually still doing that. I'm reading off or I'm reading three out of the four at once. Okay. So my next question is what's your favorite book, but now I want to know what four books did you bring? Okay. With you? Okay. So most of them are new actually. Maybe I brought okay. five. So I asked for a lot of these for Christmas. And so I brought all of those, um, the seven laws of spiritual success by Deepak Chopra. Mm-hmm. Um, the quantum warrior. Oh my gosh. That one. Holy cow. It's intense. I'm in, I'm on like chapter three. It is so good. So the quantum warrior talks all about quantum leaping. Um, you are a badass at making money. That's just, I freaking love that book so much. You guys know, I love the badass books. I'm obsessed with them and I love rereading them. So I'm like, I'm rereading your you a lot out of them when you read them over yeah. and over. Sure. Yeah. And it, they're just funny and they're entertaining. I brought clarity and connection by young Pueblo. That's one of his newer books. Um, actually you bought me inward. Remember mm-hmm. that? Remember it there? Or I love it. Yep. So I have clarity and connection. And then, oh yeah, maybe I did only bring four. Oh, no, no, no. Um, the Marketing Bible for Life Coaches by Simone. I can't remember her last name, but I freaking love her. And so it just like talks about, yeah, marketing for life coaches. And I love it. And it's so good. And I'm, I'm actually um, launching a live course soon. I'll tell you about it after we get off recording because I'm not releasing details to you guys yet. But part of it has to do with confidence and cultivating confidence and courage. And so that book, even though it's specific to life coaches, it's really bringing a lot up in me. That's like, yeah, I need to share this wisdom with everybody because it really helps with the whole confidence, courage piece. So yeah, those are the books I brought and I'm reading all of them right now all at once. And it's amazing. I love it. Yeah. What is your favorite podcast? Um, Her vibe is pretty. (laughs) Same. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, but besides ours, ours truly is my favorite podcast. Um... What have I been listening to lately? I feel like I bounce around podcasts so much right now. Probably Simone's. I've just, I, I, when I find somebody new, I usually just dive into everything they offer. So first it was her book. Now it's her podcast. Next is going to be her course. Of course, you know, that's usually <laughs> you go in. Um, so yeah, I can't, I think her, it's, yeah, her name is, gosh, it's, I'm going to have to tell you soul. I think her last name is S. EOL. We'll have to link it. So yeah. if you're into like the whole look coaching space, you would love her, but she just is super real about yeah coaching and, and like helping people, which I like, I like real people. So good. It's fun when you find someone that you really vibe with like that. Yeah, it is. What is the favorite state or place that you have visited? Mm. Um, okay. Well, let's, do in state and then out of in the United States and then out of states. Okay. Just to make it a little easier on me. <laughs> yeah. So my favorite place in the United States that I've ever visited. Oh my gosh, this is really hard. Um I it's so interesting that I'm choosing this. I've loved so many places, but I'm just gonna say Colorado, the state of Colorado. 
I've been there many times so that probably helps, but I've, I love it there. I love Denver. And I also really love the mountains. And it's so interesting because I'm also a really big beach person, like really big beach. Per- like I love the beach a lot. However, when I'm in the mountains, I feel something different, like something deep. And the other day I was on a human design website looking at my man or my generator ways. And it said something about how like mountains is my connection point. So that was interesting to me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Colorado is my favorite state. And then outside of the United States, my favorite place that I've ever visited is probably, I can't answer that one. I don't know. I'll do top three. Okay. Um, Lisbon. I mean, I'm literally loving it here. It's definitely going to be my favorites. And Ireland. So I will say Portugal. I'll do countries. Portugal, Ireland, and the Czech Republic. Also, wasn't there a question somewhere on there? Like, what's the cheapest place I've ever visited? Were you going to ask me that? Okay. I want to speak to that too. I know we kind of spoke to it a little bit earlier about like how it's not super sensitive, but I, I saw that question and Budapest in Hungary is super cheap and it's in Europe and actually Prague in the Czech Republic is also very cheap. So if you're comparing to like us dollars, um, Budapest and Prague are both way cheaper than the States. Like, and I mean, (laughs) I'm not a huge drinker anymore. I do love wine. Actually. It's amazing because I found a bottle of wine the other day I was walking home and I felt like drinking a glass of wine, which is pretty rare for me, but I felt the pulse. I'm like, I'm following that inspired action. And I go into a market and there's, or first of all, in Europe, they don't put sulfates or I think, or added sugars, but they definitely don't do sulfates in their wines, which makes them way more pure. And so I, so that's with all wines. So I go in the store and I'm looking at the wines and there's an organic wine. So it's organic, organic grapes, plus no sulfates or like any of the nasty shit that America puts in their wine. And it was eight Euro, which is like maybe $9. So I don't know how I got on that, but Oh, in Prague, you can buy a bottle of wine for a dollar. So yeah, Prague and Budapest, if you're trying to do a Europe trip and you want to do it on like a budget, check out Prague and Budapest. And they're actually very close. So you could go to Prague and then take a bus to Budapest. I think it only takes like three or four or five hours on bus. That's what we did. Love it. Yeah. We're going to end with this one. And this is such a good one is what is your favorite thing about yourself? Oh my goodness. Oh, this is so sweet. Did you come up with this question? I wish I did, but no, someone asked that. I love that. Oh, what a sweet question. What is my favorite thing about myself? Mm, I would say my passion for life. (laughs) Like, it's like, seriously, like my passion. And I want to go a little deeper. My passion for life. And the reason I word it that way is because I was going to say, at first I was going to start with like, Um, my passion for helping the world heal and like helping others evolve and live better lives. But then I'm like, I also love that. I I love to do that for me. So this quote is not mine. It is just words. I don't know if you'd even call it a quote. Um, You probably would. One of my mentors says for me, for you, for us. And that is just so beautiful in such like it, it landed so deep in my system 
because that's my favorite part about myself is that I, I, I freaking love life. And I do truly believe that every single human on the planet has the ability to love life, no matter where you came from, no matter what your story is, no matter where you're at right now in life, no matter what your external circumstances is. I really, truly believe that everybody has the power to create a life that they absolutely love and are obsessed with. So I, I love my passion for doing that myself, of course, because like everybody deserves this life, including me. So I love the passion for, for myself doing that for myself because it makes my life really fun and exciting and expansive. And I just love that. I'm so passionate about not only doing it for me, but doing it for you guys. And then, then, and then for us as a world, because like Mary and I always say, as you guys show up to this show and as you guys show up to this work in whatever way that looks like for you, and as you become an embodiment of the work, the world heals as you heal, the world heals. So yeah, that's my favorite thing about myself is that I'm just so passionate and enthusiastic about life, about living my best life and showing others that they can do the same and teaching them and guiding them as they do so. I love that about you too. <laughs> so I want to end with me sharing my love for you and saying my favorite thing about you because you have been such a blessing to my life. And I know that I am not the only person that feels that way. You know, you have made it your life's work and your life's passion to raise the vibration of the world. And as someone who you have raised the vibration of my life, like you are doing the damn thing and the world needs more people like you, Sarah. So I just want to say thank you for being you. Thank you for choosing to do this work for yourself so that you can help teach others and raise others up even higher than they ever knew were possible. And thank you for being that shining light for so many people. Um, I truly ugh, don't cry. <laughs> I, I just am. I'm so grateful because I can see such a shift in my own personal life once you and I connected and became friends. And I know that there are so many other people that feel the same way about you. So happy birthday. We love you so much. Thank you for keeping your vibes pretty (laughs) (laughs) and for making this world a better place. Uh, I love you. Thank you. Yes, I love you. And thank you so much for sharing so much wisdom, so much insight in this episode. Um, I feel like I was literally like taking notes over here on certain things. So you guys, this has been such a great episode to Mm -hmm. celebrate our amazing Sarah and we love you so much. And we're so excited to see where this journey takes you and doesn't just take you, but take us because thankfully we get to be along for the ride. So we love you guys. We love you guys. And you guys know the drill. Follow us on Instagram. Would love to hear what some of your biggest takeaways are from this episode. Join our Facebook group. Her vibe is pretty podcast. We've got such an incredible community there um, full of so many people who are on the same mission of like raising their vibes. And if you guys are listening um, through Apple podcast, you guys know leaving us a rating and a review is hands down the greatest thing that you can do. It can be like Sarah's little birthday present. So (laughs) leave us a rating and a review um, to help us grow the podcast and spread the word. So Sarah, we love you. Listeners, we love you. And we'll catch you here in a couple of weeks on Her Vibe is Pretty. Bye. Bye.